Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Doug Alley, the CEO of Ever AI. Doug, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Rich? Good. Thanks for coming. Um, so yeah, tell thanks, me, for, uh, thanks for having us today. Yeah, tell me about EverAI. What's the premise and what do you guys do? Sure. So EverAI is a um, is a face recognition platform, um, and we offer our uh, face recognition uh, software to uh, to enterprises primarily and uh, through um, through SDKs for iOS and Android, as well as uh, some APIs that you can uh, install. Um, on a public cloud, private cloud, or on your own hardware behind your firewall. So what, what are the reasons that people would want to have uh, facial recognition? So there are a whole host of, uh, of reasons and uh, that, uh, that our customers come to us for, uh, for face recognition. Uh, they, they tend to fall into uh, a few different buckets. Uh, one of them is they're looking for um, sort of more frictionless ways to, um, to authenticate their users. Uh, so... Uh, you think about you know everybody from uh, from banking institutions to uh, to retail uh, folks to um, to uh, payment applications. Um, they're all looking for ways to sort of ease their um, ease the user experience of their customers. And, and FaceRec is one way that, uh, especially after the uh, the successful launch of the uh, iPhone X, that um, that people are starting to do that. That's one use case. Uh, some other use cases include uh, things like uh, security. So um, you think about access control into and out of buildings, 
Um, think about um, sort of security monitoring systems for your home, those types of things. Um, and then the mm -hmm. final one is we can, we do a lot of fun work with um, uh, with IoT devices, so robots and uh, uh, and the like, um, you know, everything from robots to washing machines and and refrigerators that want to be able to provide a, a kind of a personalized experience um, and user interface with with customers. All right. So do you see any? I mean, do you see that people are afraid of facial recognition or people welcome it? I mean, what's the reaction uh, that people have for the most part? I think I think now I mean so in, in Asia where face rec has been prevalent for years um, it's uh, it's it's well past uh, anybody being uh, afraid of it um, if anything they're um, they're welcoming of the um, of the sort of ease with which they can kind of get around and make payments and so we've seen that especially accelerate in the last couple of years um, the uh, in the U.S., I think the the iPhone X was sort of a watershed moment for uh, for face rec in the U.S., where people stopped being afraid of it uh, and started welcoming it when they saw how easy it could be to um, as as one way to access the uh, the data on your phone. So we've seen an incredible ramp over the course of the past uh, six months since that launch. I mean, interest from other companies that are trying to to use face rec in their businesses. Well, what do you think? Um, what are going to be some of the what are the use cases that companies are most interested in that you're seeing? Yeah, so definitely authentication uh, into a whole host of, of systems. Anything from uh, enterprise security, where they're looking at it as uh, as one factor um, by which they can authenticate users into important systems. Um, you know, and in that case, um, you're looking at it as potentially a replacement for um, multi-factor authentication. So you think about it when you log into your um, to your Gmail account or really any online account. Um, these days you have two-factor authentication that's available for customers and uh, where you not only have to type in your username and password but also get a, um, a code that comes to you typically via SMS. Uh, and uh, and FaceRec is a, is, a, is a pretty neat way to um, obviate the need for all of your uh, kind of passwords and additional codes and things like that. You can use um, the biometric data in your face to um, to authenticate you. Um, and along with some other, and we're working with some customers on some really neat um, multi -path, completely passive multi-factor authentication that involves um, awareness of of where your phone is, as well as um, as well as face rec, and the combination of those two things being a um, a replacement for uh, multi-factor authentication in digital environments, um, as well as providing multi-factor authentication in a passive way uh, in physical environments for the first time. Well, it seems like it would be pretty easy to spoof it if you get a picture of someone and uh, you know put it in front of a camera, or is that not true? Uh, so that used to be true. So we um, we have in uh, in beta right now, and uh, and actually we probably shouldn't talk about it, but we have some we have some solutions coming out for that. Uh, pretty soon. Um, it is not something that um, I think probably the most famous version of this uh, happened with, um, you know, Samsung had a, a device uh, that they came out with uh, a year or so ago um, where their face rec was spoofed um, by uh, by a paper cutout of, uh, of a face. And uh, that is, um, that no longer has to be the case with some of the technology that's, uh, that's available right now. Um, and you're actually seeing that with, uh, it's very, very difficult to spoof um, for instance, I, uh, iPhone X's uh, face recognition. Um, you basically have to print a 3D mask of somebody and make sure that it fits perfectly. So 
uh, for most scenarios, it's, that is not an issue. Um, and that's the other reason why, you know, we always recommend doing, uh, having multi-factor authentication. So um, in any environment, you're always going to want to make sure that you, um, you're always going to want to make sure that you have multiple factors because any single factor can be, um, can be either spoofed or hacked. Well, why now is this uh, apparently viable when before it wasn't? What's changed? Uh, well, a, a lot of things have changed. I mean, uh, one thing you've got new companies like like ours that are uh, that are coming into the space and really focused on uh, on these issues. Um, you know, I think in the in the past, um, you know, uh, face rec has been something that's been as as you sort of brought up something that people have been afraid about. So people have not invested the uh, the dollars in improving the the technology. Uh, but now there, there's sort of an opening, um, and that opening uh, that was, uh, again, I think probably uh, opened with the iPhone X um, coming out and people realizing what it could be. Uh, people are willing to put the sort of development dollars uh, behind it. And the other thing I would say is that the, um, the compute power that's available to people to spin up and spin down now um, is provided by all the major cloud providers. It uh, makes it a lot easier for uh, for companies to make, to make progress. Um, that, along with some... Uh, Open source frameworks like TensorFlow, et cetera, um, have just sped up the uh, the pace of development, have allowed for for folks like us to provide some pretty uh, advanced technology, um, uh, especially things like uh, like liveness detection, anti-spoofing technology. So, how do you see this rolling out? What do you think the first applications are going to be, or what are the applications uh, <laughs> where it's starting to to come out now? Yeah, I mean, we're probably the most um, kind of notable of our customers that's that are public right now is uh, SoftBank Robotics. So. Uh, Softbank Robotics makes a humanoid robot uh, that they sell to um, uh, in different retail and hospitality applications. And you know, obviously, if you're going to have a, a humanoid robot, you're going to want to make sure that the that, that robot has as many senses as possible. And uh, so we uh, effectively provide uh, Pepper's eyes, um, uh, specifically around face and object recognition. And um, and so Pepper can greet customers by name. So. You look at a, um, you know, somebody going to a, a VIP suite at a um, at a basketball game or a baseball game, and being able to have a a, a robot greet you by name and show you to your seat um, is something that um, it's just that like kind of extra little uh, level of personalization um, that uh, that makes customers feel welcome and like they had a, a very very unique experience, um, and so. Pepper is now being rolled out um, uh, across. It's already been rolled out in Japan uh, and now being rolled out uh, across uh, the United States and Europe um, in a lot of those different hospitality and retail applications. We expect more more situations like that. Um, we've also got a, uh, another company that we work with called Bluescape that's um, used our verification API in a really interesting way. So um, they provide Bluescape provides a a communication platform and a collaborative workspace uh, offerings. So you have these big touch panel displays that can literally take up an entire wall uh, for teams to communicate um, and includes video conferencing. So you have people coming in from uh, from all over the world uh, into this collaborative workspace, all being able to work um, in sync uh, in that workspace. Um, they have some stuff coming out that, uh, based around authentication. So. Uh, effectively walking into the room and being authenticated into your workspace, um, which before this has really been kind of a minority report-esque um, kind of experience, but they're bringing that to life. So, so you'll see, you know, I think everything from from IoT, where I think it'll roll out pretty rapidly over the course of the next uh, kind of 12 to 24 months, uh, to authentication, 
where I think uh, FaceRec is going to be um, rolling out pretty rapidly this year. Um, so people will start to use FaceRec to log into their bank accounts um, to uh, to make payments uh, and to get into important work systems. So do people have any choice in this, or is it going to be where the government has a database of you or credit card companies have a database of you and you can't access your own stuff unless you use FaceRec? Uh, I think, you know, in most cases, especially the ones that we work with, um, it's always opt-in. Um, it's not something that um, – and I think the, the convenience – we've gotten to the point where the – the convenience of FaceRec um, sort of outweighs any um, any privacy concerns for most people, um, and I think you see that in sort of the adoption data around um, around the FaceRec on on iPhone X. Um, you know, certainly there are um, you know I can't speak to the sort of credit bureaus or any or anything what they're um, what they're doing with it, but um, you know I think in, in most every single one of the customer use cases that we've worked on, uh, it's very much everybody's taking an opt-in approach. And uh, the sort of the regulatory environment in, um, especially in the EU, um, with GDPR coming out, uh, makes it so that effectively you're, you own your bio, your, your biometric information, and you have the right to be forgotten. And um, what's coming out in have, the EU? What, you said uh, it's called, it's called, Yeah, sorry, it's called GDPR, um, and it's a set of uh, privacy regulations uh, that are that are rolling out across the EU in May. That um, that effectively say that any um, uh, what you call here in the U.S. PII personally identifiable information um, and uh, GDPR has biometrics kind of fall under that. Um, any personally identifiable information is owned by you, the user, um, and you can decide to um, to opt out if you have been opted in, and more importantly, on a go forward basis, that you need to proactively opt in to. Um, to that PII being used by um, by a lot of the firms that use that. Now, I don't think that in the U.S. we'll have that same level of, of regulation here, um, but um, but I'm I'm certain that there will be some regulator that will um, that will help. And you see that um, kind of coming forth uh, in uh, in some of the Facebook testimony last uh, last week. Right? I think the fallout from that will likely be um, some regulation on some further regulation on PII here in the U.S. Well, what are some of the lessons learned from, you said it's prevalent overseas in the Asian bloc countries. What have you learned from uh, looking at what they do and how they do it? You know, uh, they don't have the same privacy regulations that um, that we have either here in the U.S. or uh, or in the EU. Um, I think that the, the thing they have focused on, rightly, um, at least when those applications are consumer-focused applications, is just ease of use. So probably one of the best examples uh, of that is with um, Alipay. Um, so Alipay um, is starting to roll out their uh, pay-by-face um, applications uh, across China, and um, and those have been super popular with people. Um, now over there, again, there's less of a, um, a tentativeness around the technology because it's been used for a while in other applications, um, and there's also it's pretty pretty widely uh, publicized that um, the the government uses different surveillance systems that um, that have. Um, that use face recognition technology already, already. and um, that's also true in a number of other cities globally. So, um, but yeah, I will say that from a consumer application perspective, from a work application perspective, um, the focus on ease of use, uh, making it incredibly easy to um, to set up um, uh, your sort of face recognition account uh, with the different applications, and um, to set up and use a heavy focus on uh, performance, making it incredibly quick. Okay. 
So what's uh, what's on the radar for you guys over this next year? What are you going to be rolling out, or uh, you know, what's new that's coming for you? Well, you know, we've spent the um, the vast majority of our of our time and energy recently on um, on face wrecking. Uh, and I would say we have really two goals over the over the course of the next year is to to continue to um, to outstrip the competition on um, from a benchmark perspective. So to continue to be the best uh, from an accuracy and performance perspective uh, in the industry, um, and that takes a lot of work because it's a it's a moving target always. Um, a lot of folks that are working on this issue. Um, and uh, and the other thing is, you know, we we're very fortunate to have a. Um, you know, a database of, of uh, that's proprietary of 13 billion um, photos and videos uh, to work with to help train our models, and uh, and so that provides a lot of different opportunities for additional technology to be created, uh, particularly around things like object recognition. So um, we spent the vast majority of our time focused on face recognition to date. Um, we'll continue to focus on that and, and add other forms of uh, computer vision um, over the course of the next couple of years. Okay. All right. Very good. So what's the best way for uh, folks that are interested in your enterprise solutions to get in touch with you? So you can always visit our, our website, uh, which is just www.ever.ai. And um, and there's a, a contact point on there to, to get in touch with our sales group. And, uh, you know, we welcome any and all conversations uh, about this, even if it's just, you know, we're thinking about it and, uh, and we'd like to have a, a conversation with somebody who's, who's seen some of these use cases um, go through. So um, that's the best way to get in touch. And uh, or you can just email sales at ever.ai. Uh, as well, um, and get in touch with one of our um, account reps there. You see any downsides to using the tech, or you think it's all positive? You know, I think it's. Uh, we tend to focus our energies on um, on uh, use cases that we that we think have a, a lot of upside for uh, for consumers and for enterprises. So um, we don't see a lot of downside because we choose not to necessarily work on the downside. Um, mm. And uh, it's one of the fortunate things that we have is when you have a technology that's um, in high demand, you can kind of pick and choose, uh, you know, what customers you have. So, um, you know, we, we tend to focus on the scenarios that we think are going to be wonderful for, uh, for consumers and for, um, and for workers, employees um, that, that make their lives easier. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, certainly there are, I think any, any technology, if used the wrong way, um, has downsides. And we've, you know, we've seen that over the course of the past, um, you know, several years. Uh, in particular, you look at sort of cloud infrastructure and some of the vulnerabilities that have been exposed there. Um, you know, if you have something that's connected to the public internet, that data is at um, is at risk, no matter how you try to um, protect it. So, for all the benefits that it provides, um, there are some downsides. That doesn't mean that we should not use cloud infrastructure. It means that we just need to focus on how to mitigate the downsides. So. Um, you know, and I think with with face recognition technology, it's already been pretty you know widely used um, in things like surveillance and uh, surveillance and security applications over the past um, decade or more. Um, and so it's just a matter of of making sure that the the rest of the world gets to take advantage of uh, of face rec for all the um, positives that it that it has as well. Yeah, one question I forgot to ask you: um, Do the systems ever have trouble if someone has a beard and they shave it? Or if they have glasses and they don't wear the glasses, or if they have a winter hat, or you know other things, is there anything that messes up the system that you guys have to navigate around? Or are there certain kinds of faces 
for some reason that are more difficult to look at kids yeah women. yeah no that's been in you know an area that has caused face rec to hiccup in the past and still does for most face rec systems uh fortunately because of the um the source of the data that we have um we're able to um to actually be pretty robust to things that uh, you'd call occlusions typically so beards glasses uh hats scarves etc um, and also, um, uh, because of the diversity of our data set, we, we tend to also not have um, as hard of a time uh, with some of the um, uh, kind of diversity-focused uh, hiccups that have happened in the past. I think there's been some pretty well-documented um, cases, including with the iPhone X, where um, it had a particular problem with um, uh, Asian phenotypes, so Asian faces. And so that is um, that has not – we have not seen that same, those same problems in any of the um, – uh, in any of the use cases that we've helped bring to market, um, and again, I think that's largely because of the um, the data set that we that we train on. And one of the interesting things about about AI is that you need to be really excellent at, at two things. You need to be really excellent um, on the algorithmic side of things, so the effectively the math of of your face, um, but you also uh, need to have an excellent data source, a very clean data source, and a very diverse set of data uh, to feed those algorithms. Um, and if you have that. Uh, then you're able to produce uh, some of the best quality um, face rec AI uh, in the world. And, and, and that's what we've done. But certainly, I, I would say that um, the industry in the past has been kind of uh, plagued by some, uh, uh, by some of those issues, uh, including occlusion um, uh, and some phenotypes. Uh, and those phenotypes are really not, it's not that the face rec has a hard time with that phenotype necessarily, but just that um, the companies that are creating the face rec might not have the um, might not have a completely uh, heterogeneous uh, set of um, of data or faces. So, for instance, if you if you train face rec on all white males, you'll be really really good at identifying white males. You'll pr be pretty bad at identifying um, African American females or um, or Asian males, um, or or kids. If you're training all on adults, you're not going to be able to identify kids as easily. So, um, again, it really, really helps to have a, a diversity of data, which we've been fortunate to have. Okay. Well, very good. So, again, best way to contact you? Let's just uh, restate that. Yeah, best way to contact us is uh, is on our website at www.ever.ai, uh, or you can email us at sales at ever.ai. And um, you can find more information about uh, about the company on the site, um, some of the different offerings that we have, uh, primarily, again, uh, targeted at enterprises, large enterprises. Okay, Doug. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks so much, Rich. Appreciate you having us. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. 
Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.